Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Believe in Betting Chicago. My name is Joy Christopoulos. Today's episode is brought to you by BetOnline.ag. The wait is finally over. Football is back. Now, you might not be at the game this year, but you can still be in on all the action at BetOnline. From game spreads, totals, team player and coaching props, including their awesome live betting app, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than any place online, and there's always that online casino as well. It never closes. So head to BetOnline.ag and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's BetOnline.ag and sign up today. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the pod. It is playoff baseball. October is at our doorstep, and the Chicago Cubs are about to begin, hopefully, their quest for another World Series title starting on Wednesday. So who else to bring back other than my Cubs consigliere's first up on the pod, Sean Graves. Welcome back, Sean. Joey, thank you so much for having me again. Last time was the Alec Mills glasses. Today is the Tony Two Chains Gold. Trying to get the <laughs> offensive vibe out there. Let's go, baby. We just need you to get a Jose Martinez goatee going, and then you're going to be ready to rock and roll. Coming back on the pod, he's been out for a little while, but now he's Daddy Dom. Dom Fortini, welcome back to the pod, my friend. Long-time listener. This is a, since it's Believe in Betting, this is lucky number seventh appearance on the program. The Javi Baez slot in the lineup. And my friend, just so you know, at betonline.eg, you know, they have that online casino. You should tell your son, who's probably up all night, not sleeping, and just, it never closes. <laughs> he loves Premier League soccer, man. I don't know. He loves to get up early for those games. Well, gentlemen, it's been such a pleasure talking with you about Cubs baseball all season long. And we are finally here. The Cubs win 34 games. They are in the playoffs. They win the NL Central. Now they get a date with the Miami Marlins coming up starting on Wednesday. As Sean just mentioned before the pod began, and if you guys are just getting to this news now, they have mentioned David Ross has released his starters. One, two, three, four, this three-game series against the Marlins. We're going to go Hendricks game one, Darvish game two, Lester game three. Yeah, I don't have a problem with it. Like, like we were saying a little before the pod, you couldn't – it's a flip a coin between Hendricks and Darvish, especially pitching at home in Wrigley. My only thinking in the beginning was maybe who could give me an inning if we go to game three, you know, whose throw day would that be? Maybe you'd like to have Darvish coming out of the pen for an inning at 97-98. But, but whatever. He's not done that before. Hendricks has. So I'm totally cool with it. Hendricks is a stud at home. Let's go. John Lester getting the call game three, obviously a legacy selection here and the tight relationship with Rossi. He has been pitching a little bit better over the last month, but again, it's just with John Lester at this point in his career, it feels a little uneasy with him in a possible elimination game. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, in this three game series, you can't, I mean, you could, you could come back with Hendricks and Darvish the next day, but that's not going to work out for you. Um, I mean, who are your other choices? Quintana can't trust him. Mills zero experience there. You got to go with Lester. He's your horse, ride your horse. You know, he can get up for these games. He knows what he's doing. He's not going to be panicked by the team that I refuse to acknowledge even exists anymore. Uh, the team that plays for the panhandle that the Cubs will be facing in the first round. Lester's your guy in game three. I agree with you. And to your point as well, it sort of works out where Lester, he doesn't have to go deep into the game to be successful. He can give you four quality innings. Hopefully maybe he gives you five or six, but if he doesn't, those guys that you mentioned like Mills and Quintana, the dudes that maybe we don't trust right out of the gate can be right behind him in the wings to hopefully come in and give you some quality innings. And we're seeing late in the year that uh, the Quintana 
Chapman kind of set up with each guy throwing a couple innings. It, you know, it didn't really pan out in the long term, but it certainly could give you something like that in game three where you're just kind of, you know, potpourri. Everybody's got a green light and you have to throw. And you got Alzelay too as well, who pitched fairly well at the, uh, in his last final game of the season. He would be fresh by the time uh, that comes around. So hopefully our pitchers can go deep into games. We're just talking about the bullets that you need to possibly use in those middle relief innings in a playoff game before you get to the back end of that bullpen, which has been pitching better. We've come a long way, you guys. This has been like an interesting therapy session exercise on the Cubs bullpen all season long. I mean, we were screaming into our microphones at the beginning of the season, and we've kind of matured at least into a place where we still are worried but at least this team is a little bit more capable on the back end than they were to begin the season. Sean, I want to hit it to you, and then we're going to want to get Dom's reaction as well. Cubs won 34 games, the NL, you know, central champs. But the way this team has been playing the last, you know, week or so, and honestly, the way they started the season at 13-3 and three and where they're at, they actually went under 500 after that great start. But let's just focus on this last week and a half. Scale of 1 to 10, what is your confidence level with this team right now entering the playoffs <laughs> we're gonna go to sean first to help dom <laughs> work out the laughter yeah. well i'd say first off it's a good thing we're doing this you know this pod on a tuesday and, and not like last friday right because i think you're looking at your last 10 the cubs were you know four and six with losing series to the the twins and the pirates before getting kind of healthy against the white Sox over the weekend i i do think my confidence level, and I'll look at it just for this first round. You know, we talked last week through a few texts not to take away from the Marlins, and no one should, and we'll get to reasons why coming up. I think this is the best matchup. I didn't really want any part of the Cardinals or the Reds in the first round. So I think for us, it's the best matchup. I think it goes back to what we've been harping on all season long, the, the offensive approach at the plate. We talk about our bullpen woes. Marlins fans had it worse. Fourth worst bullpen in baseball. Five and a half ERA with like a 12% walk rate. They get in trouble if you get into their pen. The Cubs have to go up there and make these kind of young studs that the Marlins throw out there. Get the ball up, take some pitches, and get them out of the game. Which is going to be tough, man. These three Marlins starters, uh, Alcantara, Sanchez, and Lopez, these guys are pumping 96, 97, 98, and they all have ground ball rates around 50 to 60%. Got to make them get the ball up, have a good approach. I know Javi's more afraid of taking a walk than he is getting COVID. Now's the time to get over that fear. Have a good approach and let's go. Dom, I'm going to swing it to you. Your confidence level after watching this team the last uh, week of baseball heading into this series against the Marlins. And don't worry, I can edit it out for the chuckles. Still- <laughs> I mean, if, if 10 is bet the farm, then uh, it's got to be like a, I mean, a solid five or six because that's the team they've been, they've been showing they've been all year. They're, they're a 500 team who might be able, you know, they have, you know, reading all sorts of stuff this morning and in these long overnight hours with the child, reading the child MLB predictions. <laughs> I mean, it, it's a mix. It's a mix of people who are picking that, that stupid fish team and, and the Cubs. So there's no real – I mean, both teams are kind of like overplaying their hand, if you will. They're both 500 teams. I, I mean, did everybody from the Central make it? I think Pittsburgh's going to slip in somehow. Um, I don't know if that's – I don't know if that's pro NL Central at this point or, 
or you know they're just better than everybody else which which I guess bodes well for the Cubs because but you don't know what you're going to get they haven't seen these teams in the east or west all year and I think that's the biggest wild card um oh god I, I, I will give them the tip of the hat in the first round here, but uh, moving forward, I don't know, that, that might that might drop a little. But a good approach at the plate, like Sean said. You know, the pitching's been solid all year. God help us if it's a bullpen matchup because these are going to be some long games. Now, my boy, I'm going to tell you about weighted expected ERA. <laughs> <laughs> now, this is a category that – well, look, and to your point on the NL Central, you know, in a very uh, abridged version of it all, it felt like the Brewers kind of came out in the best shape in those first couple of weeks and were battling with the Cubs there for a little bit. And then the Cardinals obviously didn't play for several weeks at a time. The Reds were just sort of hanging down on the bottom there. And then the Cardinals were able to come back. And, you know, they're a 500 team, but they were still, through all the adversity, still the Cardinals, still annoying, still a matchup that you were kind of worried about. Milwaukee just never really seemed to get, a get, get it together. They kind of are limping into this thing. It's the Reds that are the team that everyone picked preseason that got hot in the end their pitching kind of picked up they got some of their guys back in their lineup were able to hit just enough to get in there so this is a competitive division you know I don't think that there was ever a cakewalk matchup necessarily for the Cubs this season except for the Pirates minus last week you know last week excluded so you know it was tough competition all the way through my my situation with the Marlins right now is and you're right, that starting pitching is really interesting and it could be a real problem. But I do like this matchup a lot as opposed to the Cardinals and the Reds because I just think we can win this series two to one and three to two. And I just I, I think for in terms of expectations for our offense, I don't think the offense needs to carry us in this series. I do like Hendricks and Darvish against this Marlins lineup, which we're gonna get into in just a second. But of all the series to win two to nothing. Three to two, three to one, two to one, so on and so forth. This is probably the series that you're going to do it. And I think, you know, the onus is really going to be on these starting pitchers to really go out there and show out against the Marlins team that has had some guys that were hitting well in September, but no one in that lineup really scares you. So I'm kind of looking at that, you know, Sean, what's your ex expectations for Hendricks and Darvish game one and game two? They got to be aces, right? They, they do. And, and like you just said, this Marlins lineup, gives them a great opportunity to do that. I mean, the Marlins struggled hard offensively, as did the Cubs. I think their WRC plus against righties is 89. They're better against lefties at 111, but that's not a ton better, right? So it's a right-handed, heavy-hitting lineup. They don't have a ton of great players. It's kind of a, a lot of guys that were cast off from other teams, like an Aguilar at first base. Aguilar, he's right? back. So, I mean, you know, again, not underestimating these guys. That's what we have to do. We have to remember, these guys spent 23 days in a Philadelphia hotel dealing with COVID earlier in the year and then still went out and beat out teams like the Phillies and the Nationals and had a great last week, taking two out of three at Yankee Stadium to get into the playoffs. But, yeah, the lineup sets up where Darvish and Hendricks should go out, be able to give you a solid six, seven innings, keep it like you said, 1-2-0, now, the one thing the Marlins can do if they get on base, they've got speed. I think 55 stolen bases in 60 games, you know, so good to have Contreras back there as much as possible, especially in the Hendricks start in game one and try to keep that in check. But it sets up for those guys to do very well. I do like how Willie was throwing behind the plate, too, as well the last couple of games uh, on his throws to second base, which honestly have been brutal all season long. And that's a really interesting point that you brought up. Am I wrong that the Phillies are the only – they didn't, you know, the only COVID team, the only team that was, you know, that had games canceled that ended up not making the playoffs. Um, yeah. Interesting adversity being able to overcome that. I mean, I know the Cardinals 
didn't even play a full 60 game slate and kind of hard to sort of wrap your head around that dom isn't it also kind of weird that you know it just hopefully it will start feeling like the playoffs but it just doesn't quite have that 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 marathon feel to you've gone through the trials and tribulations for months and months and months and now you're finally at the playoffs right now and a three game series combined with that i mean this thing could go a lot quicker than I think a lot of teams would like it to believe it. It just doesn't just doesn't feel right. I mean, is is the buzz as high as it usually is for you, Dom? I don't think so. Not yet. You like you mentioned, you don't have the grind. That's you know, you don't have six seven months of work to put in for a three game series. I, I don't have that kind of panic, and maybe that's just a reason I'm not getting up for this series. And maybe it's just the opponent. Um, I, I mean, the Florida Florida Jeets. Come on. Like, is this team even real? Earlier in the year, we were talking about, is this game even survivable because of a team like this who is so stupid? Um, I, I don't want to look past them, but, you know, they out-hit the Cubs. They, you know, the Cubs have the edge on pitching, certainly. The bullpens are terrible. This is not going to be the glorified matchup that MLB is looking for um, to possess in the first round. Um, it, it's 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 a toss-up, and, and – and maybe these later rounds will get more interesting. And I, I don't also know if it's a result of, you know, that last month of the season usually is against your division opponents. You know, you mix in those NL Central with a couple of other teams, maybe some from the NL East, but you've wrapped up with the West at this point. And the last game, the last series against the White Sox, I mean, that was certainly something to get up for. I hope they can stay up for a team like the Marlins who just might snooze them out of the first round. And coming back to you, Dom, one more time, it's funny that there's going to be some familiar NL Central names, you know, Brandon Kinsler in the bullpen, Starlin Marte, who got hit in the head over the weekend. Not sure if he's going to be able to start or not. You would like to think that he's probably going to be in that lineup. And then what is it about, am I, am I ahead of my skis here that I'm probably more afraid of Jesus Aguilar than I probably should be? It felt like that that dude was popping three-run bombs off of us on the regular the last couple of years in a Brewers <laughs> uniform. And now he's on the Marlins. Am I, am I overreacting or, or should I be scared of the Aguilar? I, I think you should be scared of every one of these guys. And, and, you know, familiar or no, these guys have put it together all year. You certainly have to, you know, they made it this far, sadly, that they somehow eke into the playoffs. And, and that could be, you know, damaging to a solid team, quote unquote, solid team like the Cubs who have played all year, who have followed the rules, who have done things right. And uh, de- deserve to be here. They played the 500 ball. They're the, they're the three seed. Let's you know. Let's beat up on this silly team. <laughs> That'd be nice. And we got a glimpse of possibly an offense that could be turning the corner. Uh, saying that hedging and hesitantly as possibly as I can. Sean, the weekend series against the White Sox saw the Cubs put up some runs. And let's just start with the fact of the return of Chris Bryant. And when I say that, I mean that Chris Bryant has just been, I mean, a shell of himself is a cliche that I don't even think fully describes what's happened to him this season, battling injuries. You know, I think only had six RBIs heading into the weekend. We were literally texting each other where we could actually point out the individual swings and hard hit balls that he's had this year. You can count them on one hand. And I think he added to that number by about two or three over the weekend. Let's just start with Chris Bryant and what you think this offense is capable of and where do you think it actually is heading into this Marlins series? 
Well, let me say this about Chris Bryant first. I think my favorite thing about KB over the weekend wasn't the granny or the solo <laughs> on the next day. I think it was that he came out after the game on Saturday and they brought up the criticism and he said, I don't give a shit. Chris Bryant said a curse word. Like he's a human being. He's not just a six foot six pretty boy that plays baseball. Like I don't drink beer. I don't drink caffeine. He said, I don't give a shit. And then came out and he went a home run again on Sunday. I'm like a pissed off Chris Bryant is probably the best thing for this team. So if, if he can take that into to Wednesday and Thursday and going forward, it absolutely benefits the Cub offense. You put him and, and him doing anything and back up it in the two spot or the three spot, wherever he, wherever he slides into, that changes things. Like Rossi keeps saying, I don't care if the guy's a presence, you know. He's like he's like uh, Yelich in Milwaukee. Throw the, throw the regular season out. That guy is a presence. So I, I appreciate the White Sox and the media helping him get healthy and fired up over the weekend. But going back to what you were just saying like a second ago, I just read an article on Fangraphs. They did kind of a position-by-position position, like breakdown. They gave the Marlins the advantage at first base, that's not Riz, third base, not KB, second base, not Kipnis, center field, over half, and our DH. Now think about that. You're talking half, KB, Kipnis, Riz, and potentially a Willie and, and uh, uh, Caratini as your DH. And they gave the Marlins an edge. And they gave the Cubs only a slight edge at shortstop with Javi. Also, that, you know, that, that tells you what people think about this Cubs offense and what these guys did to underachieve. But it all restarts now. Let's go. Wow. As I rub my face from that slap uh, straight across my cheek uh, on that piece of news, Dom, yeah. let's, talk to K let's talk about KB. Now, I'm not saying that this is the KB that we've seen from seasons past, but if you are a Cubs fan and you love Chris Bryant, you do know that when he begins to hit home runs, he hits them in bunches where he hits them. You know, he hits five and eight games, six and 10. This is something that could be a possibility. What are you seeing and what are you hoping from Chris Bryant in this upcoming series? Yeah, just like Bryant and a lot of these guys, I also hit home runs in bunches. Once I start, you know, the weather <laughs> heats up and I get rolling. He hit half of his home runs over this weekend. I mean, that's a bunch. That's, that's bunches. Yeah. <laughs> for, that's a, that's if you're hitting four home runs all year and you hit half of that total over the weekend, you can say you're warming up. Five hits, two home runs his last seven overall. Only 21 games this season. He hit 206. But I think Sean is right. When, when, your presence, you have to be able to pitch. You, you gotta, he's got to put some fear in you. I mean, just seeing him walk up, he's a big presence. You got to figure something out or he's going to make you pay. Having said that, this could be some offensive trouble playing at home for KB, Riz, Baez, and Schwerber, who have not had the best year. In fact, the Cubs with the, the – this is great. The 2020 Cubs with the lowest batting average in the history of the ballpark. Yeah. That's, uh, that's, that's hurtful. They're the fourth worst in the majors of hitting – well, it's a good thing they play all three games at home. You'd almost rather play in Jeter Stadium. Um, I'm happy KB is back. I love the attitude. You got to like that. You got to have someone like Baez and Schwarber picking it back up around him as well. Yeah. That's only going to help the lineup. It's unexplainable, right? What happened last year? We were an amazing home team. We were raking yeah. at home. We couldn't win on the road. Why can't we win on the road? And now this season, we simply can't hit at home. The home splits on a lot of these guys, Rizzo, Baez, up and down the lineup, is just absolutely brutal. It's really hard to pinpoint what exactly happened to this lineup this season, other than maybe got off to a good start, a season where you're not worrying about your numbers, 
you're 13 and three. You know, I think at one point, what we were 16 and five, 16 and six, everything's yeah. looking good. And then I think somewhere around that 30 game mark, they started looking at those numbers and just being like, and I just, I remember personally, in, even in high school, even in opportunities, I wasn't even a starter, but I'd be looking at my batting average and sort of just doing that math of like, I need this here, 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 just to bring it up to a respectable level. And you've got a lot of these guys that aren't signed with, to long-term contracts. And I think a lot of them started looking at those numbers and being like, all right, I can get this by the end of the week. And then squeeze a little too tight, doesn't work out. Average goes down even further. They go, okay, well now I can double time it this week. I can get it back. I mean, to me, that's what happened to Javi Baez this season. You know, we can talk all you want about mechanics. We talk all you want about plate discipline, but I think that plate discipline is more of him looking at his numbers and just reeling, Hey, I got to get this thing up to 240, 250 by the end of the season, just to make it look respectable. And I kept going down in the, in the other direction. Go ahead, Sean. Well, speaking on Javi, I saw a stat today that said this is like the third time I think in the last four years where he's finished with more home runs than walks. So that tells you. We are making history on this Cubs <laughs> offense here. These stats right? are just like, historical. How insane, is that stat? how insane is that stat that a guy has like eight home runs and only seven walks on the season? Like that tells you all you need to know about what his approach is when he goes to the plate. Seven walks in 60 games too is actually pretty decent for Javi Baez, all things, <laughs> all things considered. But, Dom, you know, what do you think about that theory of, you know, after the 30-game after the 30, 30 mark, they were like, oh, shit, I only got so many games left. I got to start hitting my home runs, driving my runs, and I got to get my, my averages up. You know, Rizzo's a, a typical slow starter, and then a guy that gets hot, and then his numbers always come back up to baseline. You think any of these guys were kind of just in the back of their head thinking about just the numbers? As you mentioned, bias thirty three percent of the time. That's 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 a whiff. And just just to be fair, because we do it with pitchers, that's eleven strikeouts per walk uh, per, with bias. Um, I'm sure Javi's. You know, a lot of these guys will be like, "Hey, I don't look at the numbers. I just go out there and play the game." Yeah, well, that might be true. Uh, but you might also pull it up on your phone. You might have a team. You know, somebody that you used to play with on the Atlanta Braves, maybe text you what you're doing, and then you might go out and hit a home run for his kid or whatever. Um, overall, I, I think they need to sit down, and it, this sounds stupid, but you need to have a discussion that it's not about numbers right now. It's about wins. The first one to, you know, what was it, first one to 11 or first one to 14 last year? So it's like first one to 22 this year. I, I, I don't know what the playoff setup or how many games or any series anymore, but you need to – it, it it does. It sounds stupid when I say it. Like, throw out those numbers. This this is the season that counts right now. That was a nice 60-game spring training. You just had to figure things out. Some guys started to figure it out. Ian Happ, again, I will take – I will swallow the pill on this one. I got this one wrong. MLB The Show had this one right. Happ and Hayward, 243, 244 hitters, those are your solid guys in the lineup and certainly not something – we had early on, but uh, as you mentioned, I think it's an interesting setup for Major League Baseball moving forward. And, you know, we started to go to this trend of larger, larger salaries for more and more years. And, you know, you throw a year like this one in there where owners are really going to put their foot down on what they're going to have to spend and what they have to spend uh, for that matter. And I think some of the players certainly would push to be like, hey, you know, I, I hit 244. It was a great year for me. 
Um, I mean, you got DJ LeMahieu hitting what 960 in Colorado or something ridiculous like that. You don't think he's going to try to parlay that into into a better contract? Of course he will. Um, it's just an interesting place that the game is in right now. I really hope things start to work out a little bit better and uh, even out, especially for guys like Schwarber and Baez, who um, they're good. They're good ball players. We had a discussion, are they worth 200 million at the beginning of the year? And we were all, you know, pay the man. And now it, it certainly doesn't look like that, but it's only a 60 game spread. So if you, you know, if you add another 120 on top of that, who knows what those numbers might be. They might look a little more normal. And, you know, fans don't really want to talk about it, but that is what it's at stake for these players, you know. And yeah. so and this, this playoff tournament is going to go best of three, best of five, best of seven, best of seven. And if I am the players and I am the agents of said players, in a 60-game season, this is when it matters, right? Yep. And this is all leading back to KB saying, I don't give a shit. Because you know what? I guarantee you a month ago, he gave a huge shit about what his numbers yeah. looked like. He's trying to make – mega mega money on a long-term deal and when he's sitting there looking at four rbis on his on his stat sheet right now with whatever 140 150 at bats it doesn't look good dude so you think he, scott boris doesn't give a shit about those numbers because yeah, he does <laughs> does the dot does the portfolio get thicker or does the 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 presentation portfolio get thinner when you only have four rbis hop in sean especially when it's a guy like kb who once again multiple injuries right like you know third year in a row, whatever, four years, fourth year in a row, like performance and injury teams are going to be very skittish about that in the future. So the baseball card stats look bad. The peripherals look bad. And for a guy like KB mentally, he literally has to be like, I don't care what the numbers look like because I think what you do in this postseason will be more monumental than what we'll remember from the regular season. If Javi Baez comes out and I know it's only three games, but if he goes multi-hits in games one and two and we sweep and we go to the division round and he hits 375 in the playoffs, that's what we're going to remember over the what happened to him during the regular season. Vice versa with Kyle Schwarber, you know, Chris Bryant, Anthony Rizzo, all of these guys. I think it really just sort of starts now from them. And they can flip the narrative on this season from just a statistical standpoint. I mean, the eye test tells you that they weren't very good either, but this is a really huge opportunity for them. You know, and if they go whatever, two for 17 with runners in scoring position or go, you know, had the bases loaded four times and can't, can't cash in, that only just extends the narrative a little bit more about what happened to this offense this season. And I don't think you can make 60 games as an excuse. So this is a huge opportunity for them. Pivoting over to that, we've noticed a lot of lineup changes over the last couple of weeks. You know, Rossi for predominantly, the what, 45 games this season stuck with the exact same lineup no matter what every single game Sean we're going to go to you first and then we're going to hit Dom you know what would you like to see this lineup to look like right now and do you think you know what we've seen the past couple days with you know Willie's at the two spot or the four spot Jay Hayes been at three he's been at four you know what's your kind of your ideal lineup right now against these Marlins yeah and I think we were texting this weekend I think what we saw this weekend is probably going to be what you see right where you're going to have obviously half leading off KB's the one that's interesting to me now. He, you know, a nice couple of days at the plate. Do you bump him back up to two now, or do you leave him back down kind of in that five, six spot? where Could he handle where, three or, yeah. Right, you know, so I don't know. Maybe it's one of those things where you, you leave what worked alone over the weekend and, you, and you, you leave him down there around five, 
Yeah, maybe Riz at two, Jay 3 Willie 4, let Schwarber and Baez be 6-7, and then Kipnis and your DH, whether it's, let's say it's Caratini, be 8-9. And it's really funny, guys, because at the beginning of this season, we felt like we were being contrarians or we were zigging when everyone was zagging when we contemplated the concept of Jason Hayward as a three-hitter and how we didn't like Javi Baez in that three-hole. And our, our reasoning at the time was a guy that can at least make contact, a dude that hits the ball to second base on the ground a ton, at the very least that can move guys over and just set up a situation where you have a guy at third base. And we liked the move, and lo and behold, that's kind of sort of what we're looking at now. Yep. And guess what? Javi Baez was not a number three hitter. It just didn't happen this season. Not that he can't be moving forward, but his profile doesn't really lend itself to that three hole. Dom, what are you seeing with this lineup right now? Do you kind of like the way that it's constructed? Would you tinker? And what would you, where would you put KB game one on Wednesday? I don't put tinker in at all. That guy's been dead for like 70 years. So what I'm about Chance? <laughs> shot at him getting in. Um, as much as I want to say the first 45 games were kind of Ross, you know, let's play by the book. Let's see how things are going. Um, and maybe he was just being a bit conservative. I, I want to say the lineup's going to look more like those first 45 games, but at this point of the year, you got to go with a hot hand. You, I mean, if this line, if this shaken up lineup is the one that scored 25 runs in three games versus 19 over the past nine, then that's the one you go with. If this is the, if this is the lineup, that's just going to bat flip the, the jeters out of the, out of the league, then it's the one you got to go with. There's, it doesn't matter what those first 45 games were again. It's, it's who's hot and who's hot now and how long can you stay hot? Speaking of hot right now, let's just do a quick lightning round on the second base position. Dom, we'll go to you first. Do you like Kipnis, Horner, or Bodie at second base in these playoff scenarios? All year I would have said Horner. Um, Kipnis is the guy with, with, you know, the playoff experience, he's been there. He's not going to be, he's not going to be frazzled and all this. And Bodie, he, I mean, he's your solid. You, why, why not make Chris, you know, if you've got, you know, Caratini doing the catching, you could throw Bodie as in the DH. He's, he's been warming up. He, he can play the hot corner. He can play second base. He's your ultra utility guy. And uh, he might be the one to, to shape the series. But if I'm starting a guy, I'm probably starting the guy with the most experience who won't be shaken. And that'll be the key, right, is who they put in. I mean, DH in game two with Darvish on the mound looks like it'll be Carantini behind the plate, Contreras at DH. That's pretty much a, a fait accompli at that point. But, you know, Bodie at DH perhaps in game one could be an interesting call. Sean, uh, at that second base position, playoff time, not crunch time. Are you going Kipnis, Bodie, or Horner at that spot predominantly during these games? Yeah, and real quick, Bodie was your uh, team RBI leader with 28 as well. <laughs> who, who had that, right? No, I think, I mean, I think you guys are both spot on. You know, you're going to be facing some hard-throwing righties from the, from the, from the Jeets, as Tom calls them. It's got to be Kipnis. You want the left-handed bat. You want the experience. Horner's still a work in progress, man. I mean, you know, he's, yeah, he'll make some contact for you, but there's no power in the bat at all. I'd rather have Kipnis up there with the experience, knowing if a pitch is over the plate, he can take it out of the ballpark. Maybe it's a two-run bomb. So, for sure, it's got to be him. Look, overall, I think Sean, Sean is right on the Horner thing, but you gotta, you gotta keep this lineup moving. And the, the way they were hitting over the weekend, it's next man up. I want to get a hit because that guy in front of me just got a hit. And I think Nico's kind of a, a hitter like that. He may not get you the home run, 
but you know, he may get you the dunker. He may get you a walk just to keep the lineup moving. But uh, you know, over, I just, you know, I want to defend my guy, Nico here. Um, <laughs> well, dude, you should, you should because yeah. Yeah. you should, because when we're 13 and three and we hopped on the first Cubs check-in pod of the season, what were we talking about? We weren't talking about the studs. We were talking about Nico Horner moving yeah, the, the chains on the lineup, rolling yeah. it over, you know, Bodie coming up with big hits. Kipnis surprising a little bit. Kirantini getting involved. And I think Horner that was, was a big the surprise piece. aspect of it. And once guys yeah. started to get the book on him, you know, it was a little bit easier to get out. So, but through the first 15 games, was he a star for sure? Is he the is he the future second baseman? Probably. I agree, but he, but he but he you're right, Dom. Future second baseman for sure. But he struggled quite a bit the past month, month and a half. And then, look, but I also. I have no problem. You know, the Marlins go to a lefty in the sixth, seventh, eighth inning, and you want to pull Kipnis to put Nico as a pinch hit. I'm, I'm with it because the guy's a contact hitter. He's a good, solid defender at second base, and I'm all for that. Yeah, I'm with it as well. It'll be interesting to see. David Ross has definitely fallen in love with Cameron Mabin over these last couple of weeks since being brought over yeah. and being acquired. So against lefties, I could see him getting the call on that too as well. You know, let's move into the big picture stuff right now. You know, let's just stick with Cubs Marlins. The series coming up. I want you guys to pick. Give me one X factor on offense, one X factor on the pitching staff that we absolutely need to show up in this series if we're looking to come out with a W and move on to the next round. Dom, we're going to hear who's your X factor on offense first. It's definitely, I mean, you got to flip a coin between KB and Baez. They showed over the weekend those guys kind of make the lineup a little bit juicier. Um, maybe the White Sox – were overplaying their hand over the weekend thinking, look at this team, you know, they're, they're kind of limping in against us. We have the hot hand right now and let's go beat up on these guys. You know, guys like all the guys that were slumping, they hadn't, there's no fear in that lineup when the Cubs walked through that door on Friday. Um, but the Sox certainly overplayed their hand um, and saw what this lineup is capable of. So, I mean, flip a coin, Chris Bryant or Javi Baez, either one of those guys can grease this lineup and make it a little bit more threatening than it has been throughout the year. Sean, give us your X factor on offense for this first round against the Marlins. Yeah, you know, Dom's not wrong at all with his choices. I'm going to take it back to the very first pod we did previewing the season, and I'm going to say the same thing I said then, Ian Happ. Ian Happ was an all-star for the month of August. I need Ian Happ that played that way to show back up. Because when I'm looking at fan graphs now, and they're telling me Starling Marte has the advantage over Ian Happ, that tells you how completely awful he's been the last month. He's down to 255 batting average where he was over 300. His OPS has gone from, what, like 11 or 12 down to 8? Not bad, but he's striking out at like a 40% clip the past three or four weeks. If we're going to have him in the leadoff spot, I need him on base doing some damage. Ian Happ, August, please come back for me. Yeah, there was that ESPN voodoo article that came out that really cursed our uh, Chicago yeah. center fielders, where I believe both Ian Happ and Luis Robert were in the conversation for ALNL MVP yeah. September 1, and both of them just had complete garbage months of September yeah. Um, I, I definitely want to say KB because we haven't had him all season long. And just if sure. we can get even a, a slight resemblance of what that Chris Bryant-esque offense can bring to a lineup, I think it could go a long way. I am going to officially go with Anthony Rizzo on this one. You know, Riz has been, I think, we just we don't worry about him. We just keep thinking that he's going to come around, he's going to come around. I'll be honest with you, never really quite got there this season. But he is still a guy that in the eighth inning – 
He's done it multiple yeah. times this season. We'll hit that two-run bomb to tie up the game or put us ahead. He still can work a walk. He can still get on base. And I think the Cubs offense is at its best when Anthony Rizzo is on base and hitting the ball hard around the field. And I think of all the guys, if we can just have him being a stable presence and perhaps providing some production, I think we'll be able to get through this first round. So I'm going to go with Anthony Rizzo. Dom, going to you. X Factor on the pitching side of things, you can pick one guy. You could pick a collection of guys, but I'm interested to hear what you think. Um, I, th- I mean, the answer to me seems pretty simple here. In fact, I was texting with my neighbor who was doing some siding work on his house, and he happened to have a dumpster uh, pulled up in his driveway. So I asked him if he was loading the Cubs bullpen uh, into his driveway. <laughs> I mean, these guys, it's time. You know, it's time. I, I, would, I would take Kem- Craig Kimbrell as the money man that he needs to step up. Obviously, he's been pitching better. Um, but you're making the big bucks, my man. Um, you got to go out and, and show that you're worth it. You Darvish came through this season, and maybe that was just the head game he was going through the last couple of years that he finally shed. You know, maybe he thought this was a throwaway year, and it worked out pretty well for him. Um, Kimball and the rest of the bullpen, these guys need to step up. These, As we talked about earlier, there's going to be two teams who don't hit the ball very hard at times. We could see close games, three to one, two to nothing. And you're going to need, you know, you can't be giving up those seven runs um, in the eighth and ninth inning, as we saw over the weekend. Before I go to Sean, just follow up with Dom real quick. The advanced stats on Jeremy Jeffress have been pointing in the wrong direction the last couple of weeks. His ERA has been great. You know, it hasn't been the smoothest, cleanest nine innings in the ninth inning in the world, but he has gotten the job, the job done this season. And he deserves a ton of credit because the dude seemingly was washed when he came over to this team this year. And obviously he's rebuilt his market moving forward into the off season. But my question for you, Dom is ninth inning. Are you sticking with Jeffress right now? Or are you going to Kimbrell? That That is a great question. Um, I don't know how the side sessions went over the weekend. Um, I, I want to say run out of bed. <laughs> I just, I don't know why that happened the other day. Um, I got more texts about that stinking drone than about like any other game. It was, it was amazing. Like seven different people were like, did you see that drone? And I'm like, Wait, it's Wednesday night. What are you doing? It was the highlight of our season. Was, right. Like, our offense was brutal. <laughs> 210 at home. And this is what happens. We're excited for the drone. Um, Kimbrough's the money man. You'd like to see him step up and get the ball in the ninth inning. Um, Listen, I've been, this has been a problem for the last three years. And I don't know if it's Theo's problem or if it's the organizational standpoint, it's the adage of we've done nothing and nothing is working out. They're trying to stock the bullpen with all these guys you've never heard of. And if one or two work out on the cheap, then great. If they don't, then we didn't get them for very much. Um, I think he's one of those guys. He, he did very well this year. Maybe he be a setup man in the future. He's your, you know, your future Pedro stroke, if you will. But um, Kimbrell's my guy on the ninth. I hate to say that because I don't have a whole lot of confidence in him either. However, he's done it before, and uh, this, is, this is the big time. The lights are on. I just think ideal scenario, Jeffress is a great eighth inning guy. Yeah. And if you are perhaps, let's say you get through this round, and there are little rumors that Rowan Wick could attempt to make a comeback at some point in this playoffs too as well, move into a seventh inning situation. The team is just set up for Kimbrell to come in and do the job in the ninth inning. He's been pitching a lot better. I just I, I know that they haven't given him a couple true ninth inning runs recently, but that would probably be my preference, especially if we want to go deep into the playoffs. How funny is it 
I'm sorry, Sean. I want to hear about your X factor on pitching, but how funny is it that like the Cubs on their closer and very similar to what they did with the leadoff man, but closer specifically did the exact same thing that the Chicago bears have been doing to their field goal kicking situation for the last five years where they said, (laughs) look, we got this guy here. He's been on our team and he's consistent and we know what we got. And in the Cubs, I'm being honest, I'm talking about Chapman. I know we weren't crazy about him on the team at the time, but you know, hindsight now he's, you know, he's stayed out and he's behaved himself the last four or five years. But my point is, we were like, you know what? We don't need him. We don't need to give him that money. We can patch it together because we're so smart. Yep. And, you know, a Jorge Soler and a $45 million to Kimbrell later and a bunch of other opportunities that didn't really work out and the way Davis experienced, you know, they're still trying to solve that situation the same way the Bears are trying to solve the kicking situation that they can thought Rob, that they were Robbie so pitch? smart at. Can, <laughs> can, oh, he, could, he could close, couldn't he? I think he's why, all right. Why not? I don't know. I just don't think. I just don't think Chicago wants to give Robbie Gold the money. Yeah. <laughs> Still, it. they will no, not pay him. No sports organization. But I, I just find that I find that very ironic. And sometimes these these geniuses, Theo and Jed, such smart baseball minds, can sort of outthink yourself and and th- figure we're just going to grind out a new situation that we already yeah. found success for us. Sean, uh, your X factor on the pitching staff against the Marlins in round one. Well, first off, let me say I agree with you guys. I think that it is Kimball in the ninth inning going forward. I don't think he was scored on in September. That fastball is ticking back up to 98-99, and it's rising. More importantly, he's looked better. It just works better. Jeffress, a few too many walks for me lately, especially when he's coming out there in close games. So I think you guys are right about that. I think my X factor from the pitching staff, I'm just going to say pitching from the left side. Let's start that with John Lester. If we have to – to go to a game three. Lester has been straight dumpster fire at Wrigley this year. I need 30-year-old John Lester to give me five solid innings against a solid righty lineup. And then I need someone in the bullpen from the left side. I don't know who it's going to be. Ryan, Osage, the Sheriff, whoever. I know the righties, I mean, the Marlins are a right-handed heavy-hitting team, but if they bring in like a Dickerson or, you know, something like that, I need a lefty reliever to come up there and get that big out and be able to get the other righties he's going to face out as well. So the left side of pitching is kind of my X factor for that. That's a great call because we just don't have an answer, right? It really is bringing in a guy and just, you know, do do the job if you possibly yeah. can. They want, it, they want it to be Carl Ryan. They keep sending him out there, and he just keeps getting shelled. Well, it's just – let's be honest. Ryan's stuff just doesn't play very well in today's modern baseball. You know, he doesn't have – what he's he throw 89 90 91 maybe he doesn't really have a true out pitch it's all location for him and i mean he's he's john Lester. he's in the beginning of his career and he's john lester at the end of his career he just can't make mistakes and for a bullpen arm that just really really scares me especially in high leverage situations that's a really great call on both of your guys counts i'm gonna go with an easy call on this one i'm just going with darvish the guy that should win the nl cy young the first season that he was with the Cubs, everyone gave him a lot of shit. Yep. You know, second season, you know, tail of two halves. First half, not so great. Second half, amazing. This season, though, he's been the $126 million man, truly. Every time that he's out there, I've been so impressed by him, not just, like, with the stuff and the amount of pitches and the walk ratio. Just been so impressed with he'll go out there, wrap up a sixth inning, be at 92, 94 pitches, and that's the Joe Madden zone. That means you're coming out, guys. Thanks for your effort, getting you out, feeling good about yourself. But, no, he's been going back out there, finishing that seventh inning 
and I, it's crazy, but just like that old school pitcher that is willing to, God forbid, go deep into a game, that has been you, Darvish, this season. And I just think he's, it is his time to put a couple of sterling, magnificent playoff postseason starts on the board, really finally erase and wash away that unfair tipping his pitches stuff with the Dodgers when the Astros were clearly cheating. Yeah. Really just go out there and show that he is a true ace and make that a day when hopefully we get past the Marlins and in the next round, make that when it's you Darvish day, that's victory day. And that's what I think is going to be a huge key for the Cubs moving forward, especially in these playoffs. We're going to get you guys out of here on this. I want to hear a prediction. Did the Cubs win round one? And if they do, what will be the number one key to the series? We are going to go to Dom first. Cubs win the first series uh, offense is the story. I I think they're going to stay hot right now. I think they're going to, you know, because you got a guy who throws hard, they can hit a guy who throws hard. God forbid he throws a curveball or a changeup, and then this lineup is going to be baffled for three hours. Um, But I think the Cubs get it done in this first round without too much trouble. Sean. Prediction for the series, and what is your number one key to success against the Marlins? Uh, I agree with Tom. I think the Cubs win, and I think my key is the reason they win. They win 2 nothing, which is weird to say for a playoff series, right? But I think they win because Darvish and Hendricks carry over regular season into postseason. They both have good, solid starts. Rossi lets them, like you just say, go out back out there for the seventh inning, possibly even the eighth inning, and then we hand the ball over to Jefferson Kimbrell, and we'll see you in Texas next week. I'm with you on that front. I think we go back-to-back with two strong starts from Hendricks and Darvish. I would love to see, I think, the key to the series, as you guys mentioned at the top of the pod, that Marlins bullpen, what was the hallmark of the success that the Cubs had at the beginning of the season? That was scoring those runs in the sixth, seventh, eighth inning of games, whether they were insurance runs, you know, extending the lead, or whether it was, you know, to come back and tie a game. That was what gave them so much success early on. This bullpen is lined up perfectly for that to happen. And if the game is close in those late innings, hopefully we can tack on a few extra runs. And, and I'm with you. I'm, I'm optimistic about this. We'll see what happens moving forward in the, in the proceeding rounds. But I do think Hendricks and Darvish can get it done games one and two, and hopefully we don't see Lester until next week. Go ahead, Dom. Derek Lee, Starlin Castro, Cameron Mabin, Juan Pierre, Kevin Gregg, Chris Coughlin, Emilio Bonifacio, Steve Shisek, Ryan Dempster, my boy Alfonseca, and my boy Moises. Just they're all dead to me this week. <laughs> I can't I can't have it I, 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 I don't I, I don't like this team I, I don't acknowledge this team it, it, truly we don't speak of this team in my house in fact when I was talking to my wife about who the Cubs are playing uh, I said that team in the panhandle and she's like well it's hard to play a team that doesn't exist which I totally count as a win on my behalf uh, this this better go well or it's just I'm, I'll burn down their I'll burn down their stadium <laughs> It's that easy. <laughs> it's definitely a week to exercise some demons, right? CNN reporting. We have a hundred drones <laughs> heading towards Miami's ballpark oh, right now, operated by some man in the Chicago <laughs> suburbs. Fire. <laughs> well, and you know, not to like, not to drudge it up, but let's do it real quick. Everyone always talks about that game seven, but seriously, the ones that pissed me off the most were games five and game seven. Oh, yeah. You know, games five, game five, we are up 3-1. And I believe uh, it was like Randall Simon hit a double. We took the lead, and Zambrano's on the mound, and it was all right there for us. We blew that game. 
And then game six, obviously, we all know is the game where, you know, that inning was just the most disastrous inning in Cubs history. But we don't speak still, of that guy's name either. We don't. No, no, no. We don't. Just to be fair, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not interested in that. To be honest. Well, you know, he grew up down the block from Jason Kipnis, and and that was enough to keep Kipnis out of the lineup for me. (laughs) Oh, you know him? (laughs) Out you go. Well, and then Game Seven, you know, Moises goes deep, and then Carey grooves a fastball uh, deep into the seats, and we're all going nuts, and we took the lead in Game Seven. So, I mean, that series was uh, was in our hands multiple multiple times, and uh, so it's not just one thing, and. Maybe it's time to exercise some demons. I don't know. It's been a long time, different team. Cubs-Marlins coming at you beginning Wednesday. It's the early game. That means it's the primetime game, right, Tom? (laughs) Senior senior special, folks. Grab your dinner and watch the game. (laughs) The senior special. Make sure you get there uh, to get the 499 Grand Slam. But uh, Cubs-Marlins about to kick it off. Guys, so great to have you on. So great to have you on all season long. You've been coming back every couple of weeks just to take the pulse of this team. And the pulse of this team is a playoff-bound team with 34 wins this season. Now let's just see how deep they can go and let's see what they can do. Because this is what this team this is what this team's all about, is playing in the postseason. Doesn't yep. matter about the regular season anymore. They want that second championship. And Rossi definitely at the helm wants to go deep as well. So for Sean Graves and Don Fortini, thank you so much for joining me, you guys. This was Believe in Betting Chicago with Joey Christopoulos. Today's episode is brought to you by BetOnline.ag. Make sure you head over to that website for all the great sign-up bonuses. And also, their live betting on that website is bar none, one of the best out there. So make sure you take a look at that and get in on the action. We're coming back with a whole lot more to talk about this week. More baseball as it unfolds. we got some hoops talk coming up because the NBA Finals. And we've got Bears versus Colts this weekend. So make sure you come back and check out the pod. Thanks again for listening today. Until then, be well, be safe, be good to each other. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.